have a bully inside your head telling you that you're not good enough? Do you lean towards self-defeat? Do you have trouble believing in yourself? And are you dying to learn how to become the perfect version of you? A you that you dream about? If you answered yes, then you're like me, and this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy podcast, where we discuss self-esteem, worthiness, and transformation through a gay lens. I'm your host, Jeremy Long, and I want to share my journey with you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy. Welcome back, everyone, to Journey to Worthy podcast. Please, if you haven't already listened to part one of the interview with Linda Newdorf, please check out in your podcast player episode one. But welcome to episode part two of the interview with Linda Newdorf. Getting right back to it. Here you go. I'm uh, maybe wanting to shift gears a little bit when it comes to uh, sex and self-esteem, because mm. I've, I just thought maybe that would be a good topic to discuss, because I think that some people, based on some of my research that I did last year, I found through uh, the survey that I conducted that a lot of people were going through with experiences that they didn't really feel great about. Right. And when it comes to you know, maybe wanting to be sexual Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes, you know, just being interested in hooking up, but then having some expectations when you meet up with someone or some pressure that you can't actually maybe pull back and not necessarily say completely no, but maybe shift gears. And again, like speak up for yourself and what you really want, right? Because you want to maybe, you don't want to have an awkward conversation or you want to please the other person. Yeah. But that self-esteem piece, I think that, um, I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts in that area. Well, I just think that's such a great question, especially on the, you know, after we've just talked about sex positivity, because how do you stay, like, how are you sex positive Mm -hmm. when, yeah, I think this is a pretty common experience of like, not all sex is great. Yeah. Like sometimes, (laughs) sometimes you think it's going to be really hot and then it's not. Yeah. Or like you think it is. And then halfway through, you're like, oh shit, like this isn't. (laughs) You know, and then you don't like, do you embarrass the other person by like, I uh, need to go, you know? And so I think that uh, people do this, right? Well, and that, that came up in the research for sure. Yeah. Like I, and I've had the experience where totally. I'm, maybe I go somewhere and I meet someone, I start getting into it. And then I think I'm not, nope, not into this at all. Uh, and I have been that guy that's gone through with it. And I have been that guy that's actually started to say, you know what? I'm actually just not feeling it. I think I'm going to go. And so I've been on both sides, but I think uh, allowing and maybe encouraging people to get to that place where they can own what they want. That's right. How I'm really curious about how you were able to make that transition from just kind of checking out a little bit and going along with it to like staying true to what you wanted and who you are. Uh, That's that's shifted over the years, but Uh I just had enough experiences where I just felt like crap after leaving somewhere thinking like, I wish I didn't go through with that. Yeah. Just because I wanted to, again, avoid an awkward conversation or, you know, I just started feeling like it's just, I don't want to feel like this. Mm -hmm. I want to feel good. Mm -hmm. And if I get there and I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe it'll be hot. So I start making out or fooling around. Mm -hmm. And then I get to a place of, no, that's what, I started believing that gut intuition voice inside me that said, this isn't for you. Right. And I think that that's one of my messages to the audience is that in your life, if you can start listening to that voice a little bit 
a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, and being willing to, I mean, it's not about hurting someone else's feelings no. or going out of your way to, you know, like I definitely took that person's feelings into consideration, but at the same time, I'm not going to go through something physically right. anymore right? if it's not what I'm going to feel good about. And it's totally like not about being a diva or no, yeah. no. but this is something that this comes up. So I'm, I, I think it's a, such a great question as well, because it comes up so often in the work that I do, which is that people will start talking about, um, these experiences of exactly what you talked about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't, it, it started off hot and then it wasn't, and then they kind of lost their voice. They weren't able to negotiate what they wanted or even kind of just say, no, it's not working for me and leave. And, and this happens, you know, people might bear back and yeah. they aren't comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, but it's something happened. And what's really interesting is that even in the the therapy room, when people are talking about that, they'll do a kind of checking out as they start talking about it. So like their, oh, their you can eyes visually will, see it. Yeah, you can see it. You can they're experiencing in the moment with me exactly what happened mm-hmm. in that situation. And um so like the first thing that I'll do is kind of bring them back to the present. Like, hey, are you are you here with me right now? You know, and then and then just ground them in right here, right now, and then from a place of like your feet are firm on the floor, you can feel your body in the chair, Mm -hmm. then talking about what happened. And it's really interesting that when people kind of recognize on some level that they have been dissociating a bit around some kinds of sex. And when they start talking about that in a way where they're fully present, then those situations change. Right. So they, they, they start kind of taking more ownership. They start feeling more in their bodies and more, they, they have more agency in in what they want, um, ongoing. And maybe, maybe it's because people aren't just questioning what their ideals really are. Even, I don't know, maybe that's just for me, Mm -hmm. but I, I kind of felt like I grew up in like young gay culture where I was 16, 17, going to clubs and what I saw and my peers were just hyper-sexualized gay guys. And mm-hmm. what you did was you just had sex sometimes, you know, some just what you did, mm-hmm. especially coming with like drinking and partying. Uh, and so sometimes people aren't thinking about like, what are my like perfect ideals? Like it's just about having sex. Yeah. And so maybe getting clearer on what, you know, what, again, my intent is, what I want yeah. who I want to be with, like defining what that might look like Yeah. changes what I'm willing to have or what kind of sex I'm willing to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting topic. Very. I love that. It ties to self-esteem, which is why I bring it up because Mm -hmm. it's something that I've experienced. And I just want people to know that you can question what you're doing and think about what might feel better and maybe Mm -hmm. start making shifts, small shifts in how you operate. Yeah. And if you've had these experiences of not being fully present or not really liking what happened, it's not because of you. Like, it's not that you, there's something wrong with you or that mm-hmm. you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking as much to myself as anyone else, right. because we all, I think we've pretty much all had these experiences, but, um, finding like a safe place to talk about some of that. Yeah. And yeah. How, how you want things to be different. That's a big thing too. Mm-hmm. I think people still don't always talk about sex. Well, we do, right? Like the, the, in some ways the culture 
is so sexualized, but these conversations don't happen as much. It's more like, how big was he? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, and what that's kind of crazy, crazy stuff you ended up doing. Yeah, but it's but not, not how you felt. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not like what that experience was actually like. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or the ones that didn't feel good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that maybe that ties into what I wanted to mention too, was the whole chemsex community now. Mm. That's like, it's gotten a lot more prevalent, especially in the media. And I guess because the internet's changed the world. So you're connecting to people at a much faster rate, but when it comes to including substance with sex uh, and then in the sort of community where, you know, people are doing drugs and being in bathhouse and having multiple partners, this mm -hmm. sort of danger element that goes on with it. And I, and I'm not trying to diss people that substance um, use rec recreationally, but uh -huh. um, sometimes there is an element of too much and addictive personalities um, mixing with substance. Anyways, chemsex is, you know, it's a problem that's come up that it's, putting people in situations where, you know, they're, they are doing things that maybe they don't normally feel like they would do, but because they're doing the drugs, they're lowering their inhibitions. I don't know. What, what do you think is happening in that area of the world? Like mm -hmm. it sounds like it's more prevalent, um, that drugs are maybe just as prevalent as they always were. Yeah. But do you think that it's, it's getting worse or getting better because there's more awareness in the healthcare community? Well, with the whole chemsex thing, I agree with you that a lot of people, I think, are using substances to be able to do what they want to what they want to do. Right. Right. And so my my goal, if I was if I was working with someone, would be how would be to to help them get to the point where they could do what they want to do without needing to use a substance to get there. That's an interesting concept, right? Like. Um, because I think that regardless of what, what we say, there is still this internalized shame, this internalized stigma about who we are for a mm -hmm. lot of us. And just to kind of be able to like, enjoy it, not have to like be having a really good time. And then all of a sudden that comes up, you know, you know totally sours the mood. Mm. People will use chemicals and there's also all kinds of other pressure you know like being able to stay hard for i don't know 24 hours <laughs> yeah whatever. some of these things help but yeah. you pay a price yeah. and there's just a lot of yeah um pressure i guess on people so i guess just you know i i would want to i think what's important is yeah people being able to know what they want and figure out how to do that without needing a substance mm-hmm or you know more more um, problematic substances. Yeah, I think it was interesting you brought up the the term shame. Mm -hmm. Maybe because yeah, you're like you're right. It it definitely is something that a lot of people in the gay community experience. Um, like, have you had to overcome shame in your own life in order to sort of feel more confident in your behaviors? Still am. Yeah. Still am. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been uh, a lot of work and a, it's taken a lot of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some of the steps that you've taken or that other people might be able to take to help grow through that shame? Well, I've done a lot of my own work right. in therapy. I think trying to find 
you know, supportive friendships and friend networks. Yeah. Um, that are really encouraging. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my friends are always like so happy if I've had a good weekend. Right. You know, and there's being good sex involved. Right. Like that's just all it is. It's like, oh, that's so awesome. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's really been like also moving to Vancouver has been really helpful because there's a mecca of the West Coast there here. Is. Yeah. You know, and being able to be surrounded by by communities has been really important to me. Um, and then the work that I do, it's I'm surrounded by a lot of gay men. Right. And so just having that being able to see myself in all of these different parts, uh, in all these different areas, um, reflected back to me through all these other people. And, and it feels really safe and it feels really comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but all of that has been difficult. Like none of that was just easy, right? It's no. not, I don't know if you've had this experience of, um, moving into like, uh, a, a place where it's mostly gay men, and I remember at first, like how confronting that felt. It just felt yeah. really sexualized. It felt really overwhelming. Yeah. All the talk was really um, sexual or that's the way it felt. Yeah. And so it took so long for me to gradually just be comfortable with that and kind of learn, Hey, not everyone is trying to hit on you. Yeah. I mean, some people are, but like, <laughs> we would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but more than anything, like, it's just like this playful banter that's yeah. happening and, and to learn to understand it, that that's what it is. And I think that might be, it might come from a place of learning how to have relationships with other men, because I know for me, right. I really had a hard time with that when I was younger, mm -hmm. because I felt either when I met other gay men, I either felt like, oh, well, I should be attracted to you, or maybe I am. And so maybe we're going to have sex, or I felt threatened by you. I didn't know how to just be like mm -hmm. co coexist with another gay man because I didn't see how we could actually relate to one another and learn from each other and support one another. That came later in my life, later in my twenties. Like, what do you think that that initial strong discomfort was? Maybe it was entering into again to a new community of people that's uh -huh. just already comes with fear because you don't know all the codes exactly. Yeah, yeah, the lingo, the the, the behavior, what, what I'm able to do. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I guess it's just learning how to yeah. fit into that group, that that part of culture or society. Um, but then, yeah, but then when the sex stuff comes up, like. I feel like we are constantly in comparison. Mm -hmm. And so that, that for me comes up because for me, it ties back to self-worth and wanting yeah. to feel like, am I good enough? Like, do I look as good as these guys? Like, are we all in the same league here? Right. Um, and I, I think too much about things that's come with time too, is letting go of needing to be a certain way to feel like I'm worth value. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you brought up um, comparing sex and like mm -hmm. our ourselves and I sometimes call it the sex Olympics. No. Like, <laughs> you know, everyone has to get a gold. Well, yeah. that's not what it is, you know? And that's not the case. <laughs> it's just not. No. Yeah. I like that term, the sex Olympics. Yeah. Because we're all, yeah, we're all in this race sometimes or it feels like we are. Yeah. To get what we want, to get what's the right sex. What is the right sex? I don't know. Right. Like, right why am I not meeting the people that my friends are meeting or, you know, it's just a weird thing yeah. constantly 
but just being content with who you're meeting. And as long as you're not feeling bad, like you're feeling like positive and curious and, you know, yeah. Did it, did it feel kinky? Did it feel a little dirty? Yeah. Did it feel good? Yeah. And asking Great. yourself these questions, maybe. Yeah. I think sometimes I didn't used to do that. Right. You know, and now I think, oh, do I like this? I assess things a little bit better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Changes, mm-hmm. changes my MO going forward. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think um, that one of the things that's really helped with this is, is all the conversations around transgender identity, because it's mm-hmm. really making us, I think, reflect on what sex is mm-hmm. as well, because we can, we can be pretty black and white about, you know, this kind of penetrative sex is, is really the only sex. Everything else is just foreplay. And <laughs> then, and I, you know, I hear that. Yeah. And people then, believe that very right, strongly. Right. And then I think it just kind of blows that whole idea up yeah. because it's like sex is what's going on between a certain number of people <laughs> yeah. that are hopefully enjoying it. And, and yeah. there's not this like hierarchy of what's real sex and what's not. Well, and expectations, Yeah, you know, and what's been laid out by society is what sex I should be having. Right. I think that you, like you said, like the transgender rights and the change in language mm-hmm. has really changed that. And it's a slow process, but it has, it's coming, mm-hmm. you know, and people are more aware that there's more options in sexuality, in, you know, in relationships, mm-hmm. in partners mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't used to identify with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely changing. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I think maybe that leads into like, which kind of lingered around the idea of preference and how I think we talked on the phone a bit about when it comes to, you know, being out in the world and maybe meeting people, um, wanting to have a certain kind of sex, meaning that you are wanting to be with certain people. And sometimes this notion of preference can end up being, um, abrasive and, you know, uh, discriminatory. <laughs> so I mentioned again in one of my previous episodes that um, Health Initiative for Men has the Think Before You Type campaign. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, you know, not just saying no blacks, no femmes, no like only mask for mask, like this whole right. thing. Um, how do people go about, yeah, having preference? And yeah. Yeah, I, I, totally get what you're asking or, or like bringing up. And I think it's tricky because tricky. At, on the one hand, yeah, we, all of us are going to have preference and mm-hmm. that's just a given, you know, when, when I think about this, actually, let me just back up. So I, I grew up in Northern Alberta, mm-hmm. like everyone was white, mm-hmm. everyone right in the, in the community I grew up in. Right. And, um, so that's going to influence initially preference, right? So I was drawn to white people, right? Just how it was. And I remember, uh, I lived in Japan for a year and when I was in Japan, it took me a while. And all of a sudden I started real, like really being attracted to Japanese men, right? Some Japanese men, right? Really attractive. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's that kind of that whole idea of like, cognitive flexibility that I was talking about before. Like yeah. we can expand our preferences. We can. Um, and, and that was a really good learning experience for me around all of the things that I could find attractive yeah. and all of, all of the kinds of people that I could find attractive. Um, 
But at some point, yeah, there's going to be people that I'm just less attracted to. Right. And so I, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I think being considerate in those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always an easy language to approach, Mm -hmm. but I think that, I think maybe like you're getting at what I'm, what I'm putting down (laughs) that, you know, maybe it is, it's just about being respectful. Uh Um, but I I don't feel like it's a problem saying like, listen, sorry, I'm just not, not into it. Like we're just not a match. Actually, those are my words. I usually use, Hey, sorry, we're just not a match. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes people react to that and Mm -hmm. other times people will just respect it. And I really think that if people react to it, I mean, I did that once and, and someone reacted very strongly and I've, I felt like writing back, that's not true. Right. I'm not into you. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want to go there because you don't want to so be I disrespectful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think all you can do in that situation is like you said, say it really respectfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. this isn't a match. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you think that sometimes like we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to be open-minded that maybe something else could be really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, or, or the opposite is happening. Like people are too accepting and they're going along with more things that they don't actually want to do. Do you think that one or the other is prevalent or do you think that, um, people should be a little bit more open-minded? Cause you said that you've changed a little bit of your, your, you know, who you've been attracted to has changed. It's yeah. evolved over yeah. time based on what you've been exposed to. That's it in a nutshell. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know any studies about that. So really I can only talk about my own experience. Perfect. Yeah. I think that for me, oftentimes when I'm online, I do screen out more than what I would in person. Hmm. And, and I've never actually thought about that until you brought that up. So I don't have a lot to say, but I'm curious about kind of what your, what, what prompted that question on your part? I, I don't know. I think I've been both sides of that. So for example, Mm -hmm. sometimes I, there's people that I would have sex with that I probably wouldn't date. Uh And so I've been more inclusive and, uh, like the pool is larger for people I would have sex with than I would date. Mm -hmm. Um, but then sometimes someone comes along that maybe they're just not, I I don't really have a type. I've, I've dated many different types of people, whether it's physical, uh, appearance or, you know, ethnicity Mm -hmm. or age. It's been sort of all over the map for me, but, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, you just have like a you see a photo that's maybe just like you get a feeling you're like, nope, not, not really a match. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes I've thought maybe if I had given something a chance, maybe that I would have actually had a cool experience because in person, sometimes people surprise me and you don't get that online. You don't get to have that rapport where someone actually, you know, you get to know them a little bit more because online it's just a few words on a page. So sometimes I think I screen out too hard when it comes to dating, but I don't screen out enough because uh, I'm too open to, I guess for some reason, sex is easier than relationships. Maybe right. that's what I'm saying. Well, and I'm also wondering if people might just be a little, uh, tired and by people, I mean me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the whole dating game as it plays out online. And so I think that that might be part of that screening out right? part is just like, Patience. you know, yeah, can be bothered. Fair enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it is hard work 
sometimes it feels like that. It's a big investment. It's a big investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know for me, like the thing that I've tried to do when I start noticing that is when it feels like uh, something that I don't actually want to be doing is like stop doing it yeah. for a while. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just took a few months off being online actually. And just after I had a sort of romance in Australia mm -hmm. in November or December, I decided that it was time when I came home to take a little break, a breather from dating, sex and apps and it's just been nice to not, yeah, be, I guess, in, engaged in that. I've recently turned them back on. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Once you see who you're exposed to, it changes sort of your mentality around what you're willing to do. And, you know, maybe depending on if you are looking for a relationship or for sex, mm -hmm. uh, it changes what your screening process looks like. Yes. Right? Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that the, that the, that the uh, I don't know if it's a question. I'm just sort of throwing it out there, I guess. Yeah, right. That the criteria are a lot stricter for you. What what you're saying is like the criteria are a lot stricter for dating than they might be for a hookup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe that's the case with a lot of people. I can imagine that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, when it comes to criteria, and this is a random thought: um, tops or bottoms? Is there more to it? Uh, because some people are strictly top, some people are strictly bottom. This might not be a question for a sex therapist, but just you know, I for your totally a question for a sex therapist. <laughs> uh, because it's about exploring, right? Like we've been talking about being yeah. open-minded, yeah. and uh, I guess so. To be totally honest, I've known myself to be a bottom because mm -hmm. I like it, and um, I've even had like when it comes to the idea of topping, it's happened. I actually topped when I was in Australia mm -hmm. um, not long ago, but it's just not something that usually comes up because of, I guess of behavior that I'm just used to that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been told that by some people that I should give it a shot more often mm -hmm. to try topping. Um, I don't know if this is a common thing, but I think I get like performance anxiety yeah. about the idea of it. Cause it's just not something that I do. Yeah. And I just don't know. Yeah, I guess I've got some anxiety around it. Like the idea of topping gives me anxiety sometimes. I think a lot of people have that experience. Do they? I totally think so. Okay, because I haven't brought this up with a lot of people mm -hmm. and I just don't know if that's a common occurrence. Like, I think that that question is so loaded. There's so many pieces to it. And yeah. It's such a great question. Um, and it, it just takes me like right back to like the days of Quentin Crisp. I don't know if you're familiar with no. just like this. I think he's long past, but, um, this guy who wrote about, uh, gay life, like when it was really hush hush in London and I don't know, okay. turn of the century kind of thing. Right. So, and then it, it was really patterned on like heterosexual society. So mm. you were a top or a bottom and tops were like straight quotation marks <laughs> and bottoms were gay. Right. Okay. And then, and I think that idea yeah, that's not straight, accurate anymore. <laughs> not, but I think the idea of like a strict top or a strict bottom has sort of stayed. It has. But I think that one thing that I'm noticing is there's more that that people are willing to um, change that around in between relationships. So, in, like you said, in one relationship they might be more bottom and mm -hmm. they might be more of a top, but even like within relationships, there's more of that happening. And I think that's one of the things on a political level that I always just really loved 
about the gay community is like, Mm. we don't have to pattern um, our sexuality on these norms that are coming from straight culture. Like we can, we can do things differently. There doesn't have to be this idea of a masculine top and a feminine bottom. Like it could be a masculine, you know, whatever those things even mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's just so much room to, and creativity to play with, with those ideas. Um, at the same time, yeah, maybe some people just gravitate towards one or the, or the other. Right. And that's totally cool too. But yeah, what I'm, what I'm hearing you talk about is again, like that idea about flexibility in our way of thinking about ourselves mm-hmm. and our sexuality, like it can be more open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it is, I think it's good for me to, you know, consider, thinking outside the box once in a while and challenging myself to be like, Oh, do I like this? Um, and obviously if it's something that I definitely don't think I'm going to like, I shouldn't really go there mm-hmm. again. That's the intent that we've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, is this going to feel good? Is this something I want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I just think maybe I should, you know, try something different. Give it a shot. <laughs> Give it a shot. Yeah. 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 It, it was good. Sometimes you try a different food. Like I love thinking about sex, like food, you know, Yeah. <laughs> like you think maybe I'm not going to like that, but maybe I will. Yeah. I surprise myself sometimes. I've tried a few things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I know, you know, I like some things that I would definitely not have known that I liked. Right. If I hadn't just tried them. Just tried it. Yeah. But again, that comes down to doing things in a safe space with the right partner. And I think that's been something that I've learned that's most important for me is I do screen hard when it comes to safety, when it comes to trust, mm-hmm. uh, because I've come across quite a few aggressive people mm-hmm. that just have like, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be this. I'm going to dominate. It's going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And if I don't feel like there's some trust element there, like I actually think that I being the bottom, I'm supposed to be in charge. Like I'm supposed to know like what's okay and what's safe. You know, so yeah. that, I think that's a good message for people too, is that, you know, don't go beyond what feels safe, right? but being open-minded is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This might be something for a sex therapist, maybe not, but when it comes to, I guess maybe this is a self-worth or self-esteem question, but how to mm-hmm. get out there and meet people um, that you are intimidated by mm-hmm. or, you know, wanting to meet people that you feel like maybe are out of your league. I think that that sounds... Um, like it's coming from an insecure place, but I think a lot of people have that struggle with, it's hard to get out there and meet people. Mm -hmm. What would be some tips for people just taking, uh, taking the risk and, you know, going up to someone that they would like to meet up with? I think you're right. This unfortunately isn't so much of a sex therapy question. And I wish it was because (laughs) so many people have questions and concerns and, and anxiety about dating. Right. And it's, I don't know of any profession that really learns about that other than maybe, um, coaching of all things. Like I think that coaches, I, if I, if I ever like got it together enough to go see someone about Mm -hmm. that, that I think I would find a relationship coach or a dating coach. Yeah. But my sense is from just doing a little bit of reading Mm -hmm. is like, you don't want to, you don't want to make the goal something completely unrealistic. Right. So you want the goals to be really behavioral and, and without, without that end goal being the thing that you're working towards. So if it's like being, becoming more social or 
getting to know more people, then you practice that regardless, right? right. So you practice a day or a week of saying hi to absolutely everyone or making conversation with absolutely everyone. Right. Because you just start learning that it's not going to kill you if they look at you funny. Right. Right. So it's it, getting over that initial fear of just, you know, opening your mouth and saying hello. That's right. To anyone, whether it's like someone you're interested in or not. Yeah. So I think that those kind of behavioral steps can be really helpful mm. without having like, and it's not about, well, I'm, I'm doing this so I can ask that really hot guy out. No, it's, right. it's about practicing being different and practicing communicating differently. Well, and that is what comes up in coaching. It's more around yeah. like, what are my values? Not necessarily about getting a partner, but it's more like coming, coming back to like, who do I want to be in my life? And that looks like, oh, I want to be more confident. I want to be more outgoing. Right. And so that becomes the measurable goal. It's just meeting more people. That's right. But I guess like when it comes to dating, the, yeah, the idea of, you know, wanting to ask people out that you're intimidated by or that, you know, are very attractive and you just don't know how to say hi to them. Maybe that is what it comes down to. It's just changing your behavior in just saying hello. Right. Yeah. Or being in the spaces where you're going to at least meet more people in that uh, community. Yeah. And maybe like learning. <laughs> I forgive <laughs> you for whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not something that I'm good at, but um, just learning to be okay with uncertainty. Like it's, mm. it's going to be an uncertain situation. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to, how they're going to respond, whoever it is. Yeah. And so, yeah, learning, like, I guess, I think that you're, I think that you said initially, like, it's, it is about self-esteem and I think you're right. And, and the self-esteem is more about like ego strength. Like, can I, am I still, am I still a good person? Am I still worthy of love and belonging and respect regardless of what that person says to me? Mm -hmm. like, can I stand on that? Right. How do people stay that stay in that space emotionally and mentally? Just what would you say to someone or to to the audience in general? Like, how do people stay in that place of I am worthy mm -hmm. and I am okay no matter what happens? How do people stay there? Because it's hard. It's really people hard. People go back and forth. I've gone mm -hmm. back and forth. I'm in a good place right now. I feel good about myself. I'm doing good things. I've got lots of amazing things happening. Mm -hmm. But I go through periods where I'm like, ooh not worthy of this. Like that person, no, I'm, they're out of my league. Mm -hmm. I have moments, you know, and it mm -hmm. comes and goes. So what would be your suggestion for people to try to stay in that space where I am worthy and it's okay no matter what happens? I think it's a really, in some ways, a really complicated question. Absolutely. But, um, finding the supports in life to keep giving, like to keep giving you those messages mm -hmm. and by supports that could be people they could be a lot of other things, right? Like, um, the, the feelings of worth that we get from our goals and, and the feelings of worth that we get from our particular dreams of life, uh, our visions for, for who we are and what we want to be, um, the support in like the tiny details of everyday life, mm -hmm. you know, like finding, finding the support and the grounding in all of those things. Um, I think that that stands as like a better shot of being able to like stand tall. And, yeah. And, um, it's more of a holistic approach to your whole life and making sure you're maybe consistent and standing, standing up to yourself or following through with yourself on, you know, who you want to be mm -hmm. and the goals you have 
because mm-hmm. uh, those are the things that are going to make you feel like you, you know, you're worthy and builds up your self-esteem. Yeah, because whether or not that person accepts like your offer for whatever a date or whatever it yeah. is, like that's not where you're going to ultimately get your sense of worth. Right. Right. Well, and I've heard that a lot too. Is, you know, two halves don't make a whole. Um, you know, you can't mm-hmm. expect someone to. A relationship shouldn't be something that you add to complete your life. Although that term's thrown around, like you complete me and you make my life better, but really it's all about like I should have this life, be content with it, mm-hmm. and then you know, a relationship is an addition. Mm-hmm. It's like a happy bonus. Yeah, and I think that we can be satisfied with our life and we can like do all of these things. And if we're single still want to have a relationship. And I think that's a, for many people that is a really, um, it's, I don't even want to use the word normal, but it's just something that many of us have. And, Mm -hmm. and there's, it's, it's a, it's an okay thing to have, mm-hmm. but to recognize that, yeah, I don't need those things to, to be happy and fulfilled. Right. Well, it's all about connection. Like the human experience is we all want to feel connected for sure. But yeah, the needing someone to complete your life or to make yeah. it full, that's what I've had to work a- away from. Cause yeah. I, I was hoping for someone to rescue me when I was young. Yeah. And now I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to have a companion uh, with someone I can share things with, but right. I have a pretty good life. Yeah. And you got to make a good life for yourself to feel good. I think. And I know for me, one of the big things where, where I learned that was actually in yoga. Awesome. Like, um, I learned how to sort of be with myself. I learned, you know, I think the yoga mat is a really good metaphor for, for life and like, you know, getting yourself or being in these really uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. and postures. And then instead of like trying to run, you get into your body and you sink deeper into it. Absolutely. And it just kind of re rewired my brain about how I could be in the world and that discomfort or, you know, all the things that I thought I didn't like, I could, I could be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I could be in my body. I could, I could be here. I could be present. Um, I think like that's the, that was the starting point for me. Yeah. I had a similar experience when I started doing like seriously doing yoga in Bali, suddenly those uncomfortable moments, like you have a a certain instructor, you're just like, I don't like the way you're teaching this. And I don't like the way I feel in this position. I don't want to do this. And when you sit and push through that moment, Mm -hmm. you learn something about yourself and you feel a little bit more okay with like, Oh, like I can get through things, you know, and I can be here and it can be uncomfortable. Right. And it's, there's strength in that. Yeah. And like not attaching a judgment to it. It's just noticing this is how it feels right now. Yeah. And knowing Mm -hmm. that it's also going to change because it's always changing. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I found a lot of strength in yoga as well. I didn't realize like just how much goes into it that really can allow you to feel strong, Mm -hmm. you know, and go inward. And and, because when you first start being quiet and sitting in that, that stillness inside of yourself, it's uncomfortable that monkey brain is chattering away. It's you have to face yourself. And then once you can push past that and realize that there's actually so many answers and so much like that you can find within yourself just in the stillness. Mm -hmm. I ask questions now and then when I'm quiet, the answers just come. Mm -hmm. That might sound a little new agey for some of you listeners out there, but uh, that's my experience. Yeah. Yoga is fantastic. Go to yoga. Everyone do yoga. 
it's the best. You don't need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay, so I guess we should probably start to close up here. But I'm just curious, maybe if you could leave the community with something, if you could leave the listeners with one thing that you think Mm -hmm. that um, maybe people in the gay community could benefit from, um, you know, when it comes to looking at their sexual relationships or their personal just relationships in general any any suggestion for how can they just be the best version of themselves when it comes to sex and relationships any suggestions i I don't know if i've got any suggestions i just think that there's so much strength in the community like Mm. the community has uh become so visible and i know there you know i hear um comments about like pride has become completely commercial and all that stuff. And, and there's value, I think in, in those critiques, but overall, um, yeah, I think that, that the community is really vibrant. And I know for me, I, I did learn how to be myself when I allowed myself to connect with the community. Mm -hmm. And so I think like my whole life for the past five years has really been around working in the community um, and trying to give back and still at the same time um, find, find the connections that I need to continue to grow and thrive for myself. And uh, one of my clinical supervisors who uh, recently retired, mm. uh, she always made this point about before, uh, I guess the epidemic before the AIDS epidemic hit um, how, what she noticed, and she's a lesbian, what she noticed was that people would come to these cities like San Francisco or wherever it was, and they would just create these incredibly diverse and beautiful relationship structures and communities that didn't have any kind of precedent. They just um, worked. They were organic. They made sense for people. And I think that there was a lot of fear maybe with what happened after that. A lot of, you know, a lot of lives were lost. And then there was this kind of draw to, to become pretty white picket fence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that there's a lot more creativity around relationships and relationship structures that can be seen again. And that's always, so it's, it's totally not my experience, but it's always just something that's really um, struck a chord for me when she described what it looked like. And I think that we have the potential, you know, to create those things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think the terms, um, connection community, you know, empowerment, mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about, um, open-mindedness and yeah, being creative with your, your community and who you connect with. I think that's great. I think that people should, Definitely try to connect where they feel comfortable to expand, you know, their social networks to see who's out there and to be able to lean on the community. Like you said, there is a lot. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of places where you can go to feel safe, to learn about yourself, to challenge yourself, to expose yourself to new kinds of experiences and new people. Uh, That's definitely what's changed and shaped my life to where it is today, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, we're just going to wrap up. Is there any way that people could reach out to you if if they wanted to uh, ask ask you a question or if they wanted to maybe uh, set up something with you on a therapist level? 
Yeah, um, I am just creating a website, but by the time this comes out, maybe it'll be out. So okay. it would be lindennudorf.com. Awesome. So L-Y-N-D-E-N-N-E-U-D-O-R-F.com. Perfect. Or my email address is the same thing, lindennudorf at gmail. Perfect. And I'll post that on the link for the page as well uh, on this post. And perfect. Yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to Lyndon, he's uh, definitely open to your questions. And thanks again, everyone, for joining us. And if you want to give us a rating on iTunes, please check out Journey to Worthy on iTunes and let iTunes know that you're interested in hearing more by leaving a rating and a review. And if you want to reach out to me, you can check out journey2worthy.com. That's journey2worthy.com. Or reach out to me on Instagram at journey2jeremy. That's again, journey2jeremy. Great. So thanks again, everyone. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.